0: Hollywood is rated LGBT radio starring your host, Rob Watson.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of rated LGBT radio. And yes, I'm your host, Rob Watson. Today we are again doing another film. Uh, which is super exciting. This is a film that will be available on the different um, movie by request platforms. And I think it is also streaming on possibly Apple plus, um, but it is a French film um, that has done very well in the theaters in France. It is now coming over to the United States. And I know this is Academy Award time and I know everybody is scrambling to catch up on the movies that have been nominated that they haven't seen yet and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And and we're kind of catching up with the best of 2023. But this is a film you definitely want to see. It is beautiful. Um, It is a bittersweet love story. And um, uh, it is so well done, well acted, incredible script, although it's in French, so you, you have a leg up if you speak French, but um, if not, you, you can do the subtitles like I did. Um, although I have to warn you, it, it's hard to read subtitles when you're crying. And um, the movie definitely brought me to tears um, many times throughout the movie. Um, today we are scheduled to talk to the director of the movie, uh, Olivia Payon. Um, Olivier is in France, and so we are trying to make the connection there via phone lines and dealing with cell services, et cetera, et cetera, and so uh, we hope to make that connection. Otherwise, we'll tell you about the film on our own, but um, we would love to have um, Olivia, obviously, part of that uh, conversation. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to bring on Brody Lebec. Brody is the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine. The Los Angeles Blade and its sister publication, The Washington Blade, are two publications that you should be checking out every single day. Um, They are full of original journalism. Uh, They are not just regurgitating other people's stuff like um, different sites on the Internet do. Um, They have top-notch journalists out there the news story including a seat in the uh, White House briefing room um, so finger on the pulse and uh, we're gonna bring Brody on and find out what the latest news
2: is going on welcome to the show Brody hey Rob and hello to all of our listeners around the globe we appreciate you um, it's going to be it looks like another rematch Uh, Trump versus Biden. And in the queer community, there's going to be a rally on Saturday as some of the larger organizations, uh, Human Rights Campaign, and uh, others are kicking off what's known as Project 2025. And this is basically organized as a demonstration by the Center for Popular Democracy. This is part of the Uh, stop the coup campaign it's also kind of a larger stop the hate campaign one of the things that has of course occurred and i and i need to note this is we were already looking at the amount of anti-lgbtq uh bills that have been generated just this year okay that's just this year and you know it right now we're sitting at the following. We have 307 anti-LGBTQ bills introduced so far. Okay, 28 are gender-affirming care bans, 20 are don't say gay or forced outing, 22 are bathroom bans, 45 are online obscenity bans, and 32 are book bans. Okay. Um, So yeah, we are uh, looking at kind of a mess. as we start even out this year, and of course, as we start to move in the election cycle with support now coalescing behind Trump, um, I think what we're probably going to have to really emphasize moving forward uh, is progressives really need to get their act together. The problem is the president's not that popular. His polling numbers are pretty bad um, and he's really starting to lose support amongst the young people. I think the real problem there is the administration's response. Um, to what's going on in the Middle East in particular and some of the actions that have been taken by the government of uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in regards to, quite frankly, there's no other word for it, the atrocities occurring in the Gaza Strip uh, as a result of Israeli military actions. So that's bouncing back onto President Biden Uh, And there are some other factors that go with that. Um, Biden's approval rating is cratering. Uh, You know, the interesting thing, though, and I need to say, because we're not going to hand this one to Trump, is because a lot of voters in the Republican Party, and independents in particular, they don't want a matchup like this. Some of them expressed to some of my colleagues at CNN and other media outlets, uh, they don't want... Trump either. They, just, they want something fresh. They want something new. They're tired of it. Um, and I think a lot of frustration goes with, with that. And I think that we're also seeing that with the younger generations of voters, too. But I'm hearing from them that um, what we're looking at across the board is the fact that the polarity's gotten so bad and that neither side is what's been to the other side. And then we have other things that are kind of doing the pile on. For example, right now the crisis on the southern border. Texas Governor Greg Abbott essentially told the Supreme Court and the federal government to go pound sand. He's going to continue to throw up razor wire. He's using quotations and things going back to language that was originally attempted uh, in 1860, which, of course, as you know, Rob led to the American Civil War. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's being joined by other governors including Christine norman south dakota uh next door in louisiana even in virginia glenn yakin they're all voicing support for him and and this sort of thing uh and then to make matters kind of even more entertaining the budget negotiations that are going on right now at capitol hill uh trump called in and torpedoed them and he wants them to leave it alone because he wants to use the border crisis as a campaign issue. So that he can just come in with his cape and solve it all. Uh, and so he's already uh, created trouble in the Republican caucus in both the Senate and the House over this, uh, which has angered some senators, including Mitt Romney of Utah uh, in the Republican party. Uh, they, they see this as gratuitous interference. that isn't necessary. But again, Uh, This is them trying to frame the entire crisis on the border as Joe Biden's fault, that he can't do anything about it, don't throw any money at it, let Trump come in. The problem is it also endangers military aid to Ukraine, and it imperils uh, U.S. funding uh, for Israel and the Israeli conflict. Um, So the dynamics of this are, are getting very shrill. And uh, regardless, it seems, of how many convictions or how many charges or how many accusations, there's just no other way of putting it. The American people that call themselves conservative and God-fearing Republicans have literally lost it. They have literally absolutely lost it. The language that Trump is using, even something he said the day before yesterday in a campaign video, Okay, this guy is laying out the same kind of verbiage and language that we saw laid out in 1933. And I know everybody else is going to start screaming, oh, Brody, don't use the Goblin's Law. No, folks, I'm not. The language that Trump is using, the way the Republican Party is acting is no different than how the Nazis took power in Germany. And we saw how that resulted. Trump is using the exact same language. Okay, or variations on a theme. It's the same language that was put out by Josef Goebbels, by Hitler himself. These people, okay, are racist, they're white supremacists, and they're Christian nationalists. And the worst part yeah, is the, they don't care.
1: The, the, you know? the issue is what we've said all along about Trump's appeal is he hates the same people that everybody you just described hates. And to be mm-hmm. fair... The one kind of red flag for Trump is, although there should be so many red flags, it's, you know, there's an absurdity about this whole thing, but I'll get to that in a second. But the, the one red flag is that half of his party is not voting for him. I mean, he is not literally slam dunking the nomination. He is winning the nomination, but there is still a, a huge amount of the, the core of the Republican Party that are not on his side. The problem is, and let's face it, the, the real issue with Biden is ageism. I mean, it is, you know, because if you really want to go to the numbers, the border crisis, the reason Biden can't do more is because the Republicans are not passing the funding, which they vote against. So they, have, they, they can talk all they want about how it's his problem, but really it's them. And the the other issues that he is losing people on You know, it's like those are, you know, can be mitigated. The problem is, and I know this from talking to my own sons, is they look at him and his projection is of an older man. He moves slower. He is, you know, it is the age, physical age piece is evident when he speaks. And it's about image. Um, And he is not exciting people. Because of that and I don't know if that's surmountable I don't know if we can get over that but I mean that's kind of the core but on the Trump side apart from and I agree with you on the growing fascism um, and the that part of the party that is completely oblivious they are win no matter what which isn't particularly new with the Republicans it's just much more bold but the um, the other thing is He's a freaking criminal. He's an insurrectionist. He's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like he is this, this uh, you know, the crimes that are racked up that he is going to trial for. It is unbelievable that, that, that the system cannot get him in court on a timely basis and have this done and have this decided up front. He knows how to play the court system, and he's doing it. He's playing out the clock, and, you know, that could work for him if he gets elected and ends the whole thing. But that's the, the real travesty in all this. It's just uh, it's unfathomable that, that he can get away with it. And th- the majority of the country is sitting around with our hands tied looking at this without any recourse. And that is what is hugely frustrating. But other than
2: that, I don't have any thoughts, Brody. Here you go. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we're looking at it and going, you know, this is kind of an impossibility. But, you know, can it get worse? Um, will it get worse? And political uh-huh. Brody, you I'm going
1: political... to interrupt you. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you there because I think uh, we have made contact with Europe. We have um, ah. them on the line. So I want to pivot over to our main subject today, which is um, this incredible film, which you have to see, called Lie With Me. Um, it is a framework of a writer in present day um, revisiting his past and um, a a love story from when he was 17. Um, It is beautifully shot, incredibly written, impeccably acted. Um, It is fascinating every which way you cut it. And it will soon be available for you to watch through your different streaming services. And with that, um, as I go online here, I hope we have – oops, that did not work. They have gone.
2: Okay. <laughs> so we lost. I, I and, and for our listeners, uh, I actually am in communication with um, our hopeful guest uh, by text from uh, actually his uh, publicist from Amsterdam. I'm being told they're trying now to work out the technical difficulties at their end. Uh, and then uh, I just suggested that they try something and they're going to do that. So I guess we'll just have to see as we go along here if we're able well, to get past the technology.
1: <laughs> then full disclosure, they're back on the board. So let's see see what we've got. We'll, we'll try okay. it again. <laughs> and or Olivier, Olivier, are you there? I think it's ringing
2: and we're seeing if he's there. Well, it appears to be ringing.
1: I feel like we may be making like almost like a crank call. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah, huh? So We'll see if we get someone in Europe to talk to us about this incredible film.
2: We don't know if anybody's going to pick up. We're just going to sit yeah. here and... You know, every once in a while, you know, technology does unfortunately, sadly, get in anyway. uh, the way.
1: They drop. So let me let me tell you a little bit about the plot of the film while we're waiting for them to um, try to make contact. Um, so the uh, I should have prepared for that before I opened my mouth about it. <clears throat> um, the film is based on a, a book that is autobiographical. And the, 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 the book's author is Philippe Vesson. And uh, Philippe's book primarily was about this love story of, of him and his young lover when they were both 17. Um, and then um, when director Olivier Payon came on board, he actually got excited about making this film in a different direction where he wanted to tell the story not just from the original love story of the two young lovers, but years later where the, um, one of the lovers, now grown, now a writer, is returning to their small town in France. Um, his, his ex-lover has passed away. Um, so he's returning home to this empty town for him emotionally. Um, but his, the son of his ex-lover is there, and he meets him, and the son knows that he meant something to his father, but he doesn't know what, and he wants to know what the relationship was, and he's trying to understand his father more through the eyes of who he sees as this this friend um, from the past. Uh, the so I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Uh, oops, they may be on here. So let's try them one more time. Hi, Olivier. Are you on?
0: Hi. Unfortunately, Olivier is not able to make it. This is Scott.
1: Hi, right, Scott. Okay.
0: Well, thank you for trying. <laughs> Hi, the, How are to you? Explain to the
1: audience that that we have this is Rob. Yeah, we've uh, oh, we've I, got. I, uh, sorry about that. No problem. We we, we <laughs> yeah, let the audience know we were having trouble connecting with Europe. So, and I've explained the film uh, to them. Can you tell us where again
0: the film is going to be available? Absolutely. So the film is Lie with Me. It's coming from Cinephobia releasing. It's going to be available on iTunes, Amazon uh, Prime Video, Google Play, Vudu, um, Kino Kino Now. It's going to be on quite a lot of streaming platforms coming up in the next um, on February 18th. And the um, the film
1: is, from what I've gotten from doing some research, actually did fairly well in French theaters. Um, it was released publicly over there. Correct.
0: Yep, correct. It did actually very well in France, and then it's done quite well in the U.S. circuit for uh, film festivals as well. It had a very long run. It played a lot of uh, festivals, and the reviews were fantastic out of it. It is it is spectacular. I
1: I think I, I mentioned to you before, I had trouble watching it because um, I was trying to read the subtitles, and I kept crying, and so I couldn't. I had to keep rewinding it so I could read, you know, without the tears in my eyes. But the acting in it is impeccable um, throughout. Um, and the script is so nuanced with so many layers to it. Even with the title of the film, Lie With Me, implies both the relationship of two young men lying together, but it also, the the one immediately... Tells the other one that this is to be a secret, and so the lie with me is also the double entendre of, you know, don't tell the truth with me.
0: Yep, exactly, and it's based on a book of uh, the uh, the same name, by the way, which is quite honestly, I'm after seeing the film. I'm very excited to read the book and myself. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, the film itself is a gorgeous retail. It's a gorgeous adaptation of the book, and I think that audiences are really connecting with how the how the story of these two young loves, you know, they keep it they keep it secret, they grow, but then they have to grow apart because of the circumstances that they grow up in. It's very tragic but at the same time it's very tender and moving. And I'm glad that you felt that way, Rob. Oh yeah. It's I mean,
2: it it was
0: fascinating plus it's fascinating to look at the
1: movie versus the book where the whole other layer of the story of the main character, the writer, uh, all all grown up, all grown up and in his 50s, who is coming back to the town. That was all built on top of the book narrative. It wasn't really part of the book. In fact, one of the main characters wasn't in the book at all. Um, But um, it really, what Olivier did was almost layer on top of it his own observation of the author of the book. So the author is much more in the film than
0: he was in his own book, ironically.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: he he personified the – he literally personified the author and made him a character in the book that he wrote. And it's very much the story of the author revisiting his life. And it's a, it's honestly, it's a fascinating way that Olivier did it. And I would like to uh, point out to your viewers, Olivier does send his deepest apologies. We tried so, so hard – Connect in Europe, and it just wasn't—it wasn't in the in the stars tonight. So I just wanted to uh, (laughs) make sure that Olivier sends out his best wishes to everyone who's listening. Yeah, and um,
1: our 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 listeners are acquainted with different technical difficulties. We got rained out when the um, the servers were rained out uh, during one week. So. Um, this is is not necessary. Technology is not always our friend. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about one one story about the film, though, um, or behind the scenes. Um, originally, the lead character was meant to be played by a very famous um, French actor, that um, kind of backed out at the last minute because of the um, sexuality nature of the character. Even though that his part of that character never physically have sex in the movie. It's not like he had to do a sex scene. Um, what, what is the attitude of the French film industry towards mm-hmm. gay movies and gay depictions? Is that, is that a common thing or was it um, a little
0: bit of a paranoia on that actor's part? So just to give a little background, I, th- I think it's important just to give a little background of myself. Um, I've been in the film industry for 14 years now. Thirteen years now. Apologies, I'm I'm on my 14th year, and I've worked in the French film industry. I've worked with the Italian film industry, so I'm fairly versed in you know how different cultures and you know temperaments and everything play into these things. I can't speak to that particular actor. Olivier would be much better off on speaking to that point of fact. But I, for the most part, the French film industry is very open to LGBTQ. Sentimentalities and storylines, and you know, actors jumping into roles that are a bit out of their out of their own comfort zone. So it's a surprising to hear that uh, to hear that anecdote. In all honesty, because that's that's a new. I've I've vaguely heard that story from you know just whispers about the film as I was working on it uh, as the publicist, but I haven't heard the whole story, and that's so I can't really speak to it. But typically, the French film industry is very welcoming. Yeah, well, the
1: actor who did take the role. Is, is I mean, the, the really surprising thing with him is that he came into it in two weeks. I mean, there were two weeks before filming, and he was uh, the role. He looked very much like the original author, and ironically, he looked very much like the older version of the young actor playing the same part as yep. the, the younger version, which the other actor actually did not. So it's like it's sort of like this hand of fate came in and actually made everything better
0: um, by doing that. Which, in all honesty, Um, I, I think, and it goes back to your point, I think that it helps really bring home the story of the film and the feeling of the film where you really feel like you're following these characters through different points in their life and you're experiencing them as young men growing up, falling in love, and realizing that they're in a situation that isn't necessarily accepted and then growing older and then looking back on their past and, you know, re-experiencing that situation. And I think that you're, you're 100% correct. The actors that were cast for this were perfect because they did look so much alike. You really felt like you were following that journey.
1: Yeah. And the one thing you just mentioned was, is actually one of my favorite things about the movie in that you see a lot of films, um, especially the American-made films, where in the coming-of-age story, there is a huge emphasis on that external disapproval, you know, where there have to be scenes where somebody gets beaten up, somebody gets harassed, you know, it's like where in case you didn't know that LGBTQ people weren't (laughs) widely accepted, the film has to hit you over the head with it. And in this film, that isn't done. Spoiler alert! It's yep. not done. It's not that big, big of a spoiler alert, but um, it isn't done. You experience this very much from the inside out. From you know, it's you know it's there. The characters are obviously aware of it, but they are. It, it comes from their internal reaction to the world, and it and it also emphasizes for you that the issues that they're grappling with are, yes, external, but as much internal. And that is is profound to me. And that was part of the most profound thing about the relationship was those kind of nuances. Um, Plus, the love between the two young men is not like, Oh man, he's hot. I want to get him into bed. And oh, this is luck. <laughs> it's like you see them falling in love with the deeper, more specific, more individual levels of each other, and not just you know he's a hot
0: guy type thing. Um,
1: yeah, from
0: your perspective, I think that so. Oh, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. But uh, what I was going to say is, yeah. I completely agree with you on that point and that. I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with the film and I wanted to work on this film was exactly that point where you see these young men fall in love. It's not just a given of two hot young men, you know, meeting saying, Oh, you're, you know, you're attractive, you're attractive. Let's get together. It was very much an emotional well-drawn out told, well-told story that you really get brought into the film. And I think that the, the film really handles it delicately. And I think it really, portrays the relationship in a realistic and important way. And I think you're absolutely right. A lot of these films that deal with young LGBTQ loves do have that essence of essence of violence where um, there was a film that I worked on recently called Fireworks that just had that has the exact same kind of situation with love and relationships and uh, opposition out externally from the relationship and the closed minded community. And it ends in violence. This film, it very much treats it in a, we understand that it's not necessarily looked well upon, but there's no act of violence. There's no overt danger. There's no be, you know, beating over the head of, Oh, there has to be violence because it's L- an LGBTQ story. It's very much a delicately told, well-crafted tale that really dives into the relationships of these boys and the realities of what that relationship entails and means for them. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's, there's so many nuances. One other aspect of this film that spoke to me because I'm a writer and um, I related so much to the main character and not just his emotional past and and all that, but the process of writing that is depicted. Now, obviously, Olivier is a writer and wrote the film and the film was based on a book by a writer. So a lot of writers had their hands in this development but i am hard-pressed and i've watched a ton of movies about writers but i don't know that i've seen one that pinpoints the writing process or demonstrates the writing process on the emotional Mm -hmm. level the way this film does it's like i just i totally got every heartbeat of the writer in this film um do you know where where olivia's perspective was on that and um because i mean there's commentary in it about lies and telling stories and juxtaposing
0: the difference et cetera. i'm not quite sure where his perspective was on that i know that a lot of it was based on the vibe and the feeling of the book which i still have to read in all honesty so i can't speak too much out of turn but i will say that I think that you're absolutely correct in this film really handles the writer's the writer's journey and how he wrote the book and how he wrote his real life situations into the story and then we experience people realizing that he did this in a in a very meaningful way where, you know, his lover's son is reading the book and pointing out these things that he's reading from the writer. And we all, we all start to understand what the real relationship was. And how we really start to experience what the past was and what the future is. And then how that affects the current, the present that we're living inside the film. Again, I have to, yeah. if, if Olivier were here, he'd be able to explain it much better than I, but I have to give him credit for creating such a, a unique tale like that. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, and actually, I give you credit for, you know, your, obviously we'd love to be talking to Olivier, but you are definitely, um, you know, if, if we can't talk to Olivier, I'm glad we're talking to you. Let me okay. put that out. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm trying my best. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're great. Um, the, the one other story that, uh, you know, I thought was fascinating was the part of Lucas, who is the son of, one of the two young lovers and and his father is the one who has passed away. Um, He is actually the son of a famous French actor. Um, And I've I've, I've heard uh, Olivier describe how nepotism in France doesn't work as well as it does in the United States. In other words, you're almost (laughs) handicapped by it. there. not, you know, it's not really a boost up. But um, through participating in this film, um, Victor, uh, who, is, is this young man um, was really able to show his depth, and he was, he does show his depth, and he, he was phenomenal in it. Um, but there's a scene where um, they go out to the character's grandmother's farm and the mother of the the father who has passed away, which again I found really poignant because of what it was. Because in an American film, you know, you deal with like, you know, oh, now we see why the character was closeted because his mother was so close-minded. And here we have this charming, you know, elderly woman who just, you know, couldn't hurt her to fly. And so it's like you, you kind of get that this, the oppression was much more nuanced. But the actress who, yep. who plays the, the grandmother was actually a real-life woman. She has a farm. She used to be an actress. She actually worships Victor uh, Belmondo's father, you know, you know, he was a huge fan, and not knowing that she was actually going to play a scene with Victor. And that whole, again, kind of this whole kind of kismet environment where this film was made, where everybody seems like they didn't end up on the set,
0: by accident. I, I, think, I don't know I have a so, question point, I, <laughs> No, I, so I heard a question in that and I want to answer it and I think the answer is this, I think that's what makes this film so special and why I, again, I was drawn to it to work on it and why I think people should see it because it's, it has those little nuances. It has those, you know, kismet moments that no one could plan. Like, you could not have planned that situation. It was very much a, you know, happenstance that they met I was a huge fan of Victor's father who owned a farm who fit the bill of, you know, the, the character that they were looking for that could act with the son. Like, it's just those little nuances that really, when you dig deeper into the film and you start looking for the reason behind things and the, you know, the, the meaning of it all. And you really start to appreciate how deep the film can actually go. And I think you, I think you made a great point there where these little nuances and these things that you're, you're, picking out now just to just to mention quickly, there's a lot more in the film just like that. Those little nuances and those little on second watches, you notice things that you really appreciate. And then that just brings the film to another level. And I think that's why audiences are really connecting to it.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And relationship between the two young actors is so beautiful. And I mean, it's not a surprise that they don't end up together but, I mean, I don't – and I know the film has been compared to Brokeback Mountain, and they're, they're two very, very different stories, different environments, and, you know, a lot of difference between the two. But the moment that the couple breaks up and is separated, for me, I had the same angst and pain for the characters in this one as I did when I watched Brokeback. It's like it's like because they're so their intimacy is so real and so sweet and so, you know, kind of innocent and
0: wonderful. And it feels like a real relationship. It feels like this is a relationship that you're invested in that you watched organically evolve. And then when that happens, trust me, I had the same feeling where you're very you're sad about it. You're, You're physically sad about seeing this relationship that you kind of knew was going to fall apart, but you didn't want it to. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. In fact, I look at pictures of the two actors, and it's like, oh, I, you know, and it's like, no, they're actors. They're not, it's like, they're not in a relationship. Stop it. Stop it. It's like, it's they're a pro- movie. They're, they're good it's friends. Movie, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> did, did either one of them have, I mean, they are so, you know, the um, in Fellow Travelers, the recent um, miniseries that came out, um that got high marks for the intimacy that was depicted in that, and how it how authentic it was to real gay relations. This film is equal to that i mean it's like it's not you know this heteronormative overlay of what met it's imagined that you know gay lovemaking might be like um right. Were the two young actors? They they just you know um, everything was cool with them. They you know they just plugged into that. What was the process
0: for them? So again, this is something that I really would need Olivia to speak on. I cannot speak to what it was like on set or how the actors you know relation. But from what I understand externally. You know it, that org, that chemistry that you see is very much the actors showing their talents and really connecting with each other on that on that scope of what the role required. They very much you know put their heart and soul into the film, and you see that on screen. And I think you appreciate that. Oh yeah, it's uh, it.
1: This film, I, I I mean, I feel like I'm just totally fanboying at this point. But it's like I cannot emphasize. How rambling a is, is, good. Like, rambling is a Rambling is. Rambling is a praise for the film from you, Rob, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, well, it's, you know, because it, it, I'm comparing it, and probably unfairly because, you know, each each movie, each thing that comes out is its own piece of work. But it's like I look at movies like the movie Bros, which to me was, you know, this comedic, superficial look at, you know, being gay and, and not really... You know any depth to the relationships that were depicted to Heartstopper, which is so sweet and
0: has different nuances. Oh, I love Heartstopper. Nuances. Heartstopper is a fantastic series. I I crazy oh, well, Heartstopper yeah. now. So continue. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, I I love Heartstopper. This was like, I think taking Heartstopper to another level. I mean, it was it had the sweetness and the innocence. Although, and to be fair. Heartstopper is now, and this is then. And I think that is a big difference. I mean, like if you put the two together, you're kind of going, okay, these guys might have been Heartstopper if this was, yep. you know, 2023. And um, it, the comparison between the two could be more of a sociological one of where we've come or where we've come for young men like this, that it not isn't, isn't the world that – the men of Lie With Me had to operate under.
0: So yeah.
1: Exactly. I, I think
0: I think so. I I love Heartstopper and the reason the one thing I love about Heartstopper is the tone of the the tone of the series. I think that the way that they created Heartstopper and the way they tell that story is perfect. And I think that the way Lie With Me is told fits the film very well. So I, I honestly I love both projects and I think you're absolutely right. It's you know, it's very similar stories. They could be each other. But one of them goes a little bit of a darker route so far. I haven't, you know, I have to, I have like two episodes of Firestopper on the new season. I have to finish. So, oh, okay. From the, <laughs> no, no spoilers. But so far, no spoilers. We won't spoil it for you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. and but I, I, I think you're one right. One thing I, think I can that, tell you, you is, know, lie with me really. Oops, sorry.
1: No, I was just gonna say I'm, I'm, I will tell you after your your next two two. Um, uh, episodes, you are still going to love it. But anyway, it was just a offhanded quip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I,
0: I appreciate the recommendation, so thank you. <laughs> Cause I'm going to watch as soon as I I'm, a current, I'm currently in Rotterdam right now um, presenting um, Scud, who is a very well is a well known Hong Kong director out, out of Hong Kong, who has his tenth and final film, which is an LGBTQ Asian film. So I'm representing that now. As soon as I get home, I will be watching Hard Stopper. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, interrupting yeah, you. you. It was, did, a, little you a, it was a little plug, yeah. and it was also like, I can't wait to watch supper,
1: you <laughs> <I> know, really. <laughs>
0: You're very good at what you do.
1: <laughs> what were you saying though? I hope you, so. After 14 years, point, if I was terrible, I'd... <laughs> You'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I oh, did God. interrupt a point, though, and I didn't mean to, to uh,
0: throw off your train of thought. Oh, no, no, you're more than fine. But yes, I mean, quite, I, I mean, I, I think you, you've said it yourself where this film really is – it's a story that people need to see because it's a realistic portrayal of LGBTQ love without the violence, without the unnecessary – You know, there's there's prejudice, but it's unnecessarily over. You know, it's not unnecessarily overt. It's very much a true to life story that could happen today in our neighborhoods in certain, you know, certain situations.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And one thing, if um, if you can relay this to Olivier, um, one of the stars, in my opinion, of this film is the script itself. It is so orchestrated so perfectly and you know it's like and this is my writer vision watching it you know it's like it it it's just incredible i mean it it weaves you in at the right moments to the past to the present it makes its points it gives you a hook that it fulfills later i mean it is just an outstanding script and then you layer on great actors and you, you know, you've done it. it it's amazing. Um, emotionally, the one piece that I'm hopeful for the characters in the film is that the, um, the, uh, Stefan, the writer, and Lucas, the the son, um, achieve kind of a father-son relationship beyond, mm-hmm. you know, that. And, you know, it's sort of hinted they
0: which, could, but, which- you know. Which, quite honestly, I'm glad that that's how it happened, because I'm I'm sure you've seen and, you know, there are certain stories that do make certain relationships provocative. This is very much just that. It's a father-son relationship where he, you know, Victor's looking for his father, and the writer is looking for his lover, and they meet each other, and they see that part of themselves in each other, and they realize that there's a connection there, but it's not an overtly sexual one. It's not an unnecessary, you know, it's, again, it's not overdone to, you know, like in a, an exploitative way, it's very delicately and nuanced handled. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, I did too.
1: I didn't even, I I mean, that didn't even occur to me just the, because I was so in sync with the emotions of Stefan when you know he, and this was one of the ironies of, and part of what I thought was really brilliant in the script, how characters would say things about themselves that you would go, you would observe in the film and go, that's not even true. Like they, it's their the disconnect between their self observation and their reality that they were demonstrating. Like um, Lucas goes, you know, oh, I'm nothing like my father, and you know, and then in the next scene. He does something, and, and to be honest, I can't remember exactly what that nuance was, but watching I was going, that's exactly like your father. That was exactly like your father. <laughs> you know, it's like, you. you and and with um, Stefan going, you know, it's like, oh, I don't drink, I don't drink, and then the next <laughs> five seconds later, he's downing a
0: drink. <laughs> it's like, like, okay,
1: <laughs> that's not See, drinking. I caught I, right,
0: I that one, and I, I kind of know what you're talking about with Victor, and i I, again, this goes to the director and the you know Olivier's talent as a writer, and he really, you know, he he worked in these nuances so well that I I, have, I had to watch it twice. I've seen the film maybe three times now, and I'm probably gonna have to watch it a fourth time. But it's again, I pick up new things all the time, and I think you're absolutely right there. Yeah, well, um,
1: let's do a little housekeeping on it um, really quick. Again, when is this available in the United States? And I think you mentioned sure. before how, but if you could. Mention it again. How people can watch
0: it? Absolutely. So the film is coming out from Cinephobia releasing on February eighteenth, and it's going to be available on Apple TV, Amazon Prime Video, Google Play, Vudu, Kino Now, and a bunch of other streaming uh, websites. It's very much in the. It's very much in its first window, so it'll be available on all of those for people to watch.
1: Well, it is. It's magnificent. People, please see this. Um, uh, you will love it. I, I you know, I'll put my, my my reputation on the line on this one. This is is definitely one that um, will have broad appeal, whether you're, whether you're LGBTQ or not. Um, it's 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 a human story and um, very very moving. Um, so this guy, I know it's super late. I'm gonna let you go.
0: Oh, any other final words that we should mention about this? No, I think, honestly, I think you hit it. I hope people do see it. I hope that the story intrigues them. And I hope that they really do, when they sit down and watch it, I hope they really do sit down and watch it and pick up those nuances and really appreciate the characters and the work that went into crafting this beautiful story. Because that's exactly what yeah. it is. It's very, a, it's very much a beautiful story, like a Brokeback Mountain. It's something that people can appreciate and enjoy for how complex but accessible but very tenderhearted it is.
1: And, and it's in France and it's at a, a cognac um um tasting place. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it it's like it's got it's got all the stuff in it. So yeah, go go ahead and see it. So thank you, Scott, so much for what you do and how well you do it. Um and um, you know, thanks for bearing with us through all the technology pro- problems today and our best to Olivier and um he owes me an interview someday in his lifetime. I, so we'll absolutely, we'll, and he and he's
0: well aware and he sent his deepest apologies again and we'll make that happen. Oh, but but no, no Rob, thank you. Thank you so much for what you do. I've, we've worked together uh, off and on for years now, and it's really great to connect and actually be able to talk about film directly and on the record. So I really appreciate it. So yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh,
1: uh, my pleasure. Thank you for your part in Getting this film out there, I think it's I think it's one that, that people should see. I think it's a, you know, a really a landmark film that that required viewing, required viewing. And awesome. that we have of approval, for, everybody. There you go, there you go. <laughs> um, that is it for us for today for um, Rated LGBT Radio. We will be back again next week. Don't forget to check out the Los Angeles Blade at losangelesblade.com. Um, You can check it every single day as there are new and important breaking news um, depicted there every day of the week. Um, And also look for the Best in L.A. um, edition that is coming out very soon, and it will tell you who L.A. Blade readers voted as the best of a whole bunch of things in the Los Angeles area. Um, But for our team today, that's it, and we will see you again next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.